Greetings and salutations, my brothers and sisters. It is I, your amazing, awesome, illustrious host here, Brother Akiharo, a.k.a. Brother Mustache, a.k.a. Panther Cage, welcoming you back to episode number five of this awesome journey that I'd like to call the Wrestling Multiverse. Where you already know by now, we're covering wrestling from all over the world. WWE, NXT, NXT UK. We're covering CMLL, AAA Wrestling, PWG. Well, if it's wrestling, we're covering it. We don't care. Fighting from all over the globe. And tonight, we are talking about NXT TakeOver 26 Toronto. And boy, oh boy, I'd expect nothing less from NXT. And it has delivered. So we're going to get right on into that. But before we do, just be sure to follow me on Instagram at WWE underscore Akiharo. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share with all of your fellow podcasters out there. Without further ado, let's jump right on into it. All right, all right. So NXT TakeOver 26 Toronto opens up with a freaking badass video package um, playing from Slipknot. But what was interesting about this video package was that they chose to show it from a different perspective. Now, normally when they do the video packages and all of that stuff, you know, you always just see the, the, the video package as is, like as if you're watching a music video. But this time NXT chose to show you the video package from the crowd's perspective and you really got to get a scope of the size of the arena and where it was at. And NXT is doing pretty damn well for themselves. They're selling out a uh, 14,000 uh, crowd venue there. So kudos to the black and gold brand there. And if you didn't know, that was Slipknot providing the uh, opening theme song. And that's one thing I'll give NXT. I happen to like the, the, the hard metal theme songs. Now, this is going all the way back to 1997 with the opening theme song for Monday Night Raw. With War, War is Raw. You know what I'm saying? The words spelled backwards and everything. I thought that was one of the, uh, the greatest theme songs with the glass breaking and everything and the heavy kick drumming and whatnot. It really set the scene for the kind of show that, that it is. You know what I'm saying? And it seems like NXT is the only brand that actually uses metal as their uh, opening theme song. Like, I don't know what's going on with SmackDown and Raw. NXT UK's theme song is pretty damn good. You know, it, it, it's so different. It's growing on me. I will definitely say that. And that would have to be my number two favorite theme song. Man. So the show opened up. Awesome. You, you knew it was going to do good. Just just by that, they already had set the mood. It was like, Mwah. you already knew your dinner was on its way. Everything was simmering right on time there. So in typical NXT tradition, which it seems like they always like to open up the show with the, uh, the tag team matches. I remember the last takeover, wasn't it? The... Uh, the War Raiders versus uh, Undisputed, I believe, and that opened up the show. So um, it's always a tradition to open up with a tag team show. You know what I'm saying? It, it gets everything. I, I, I believe it gets gets the juices flowing because it's so freaking high flying, and you got a team like uh, Street Profits going up against uh, Undisputed. So you already know, like that's a good opener, and it sets the sets the tone and the pace for what's to come later on tonight here. So Street Profits. Montez Ford, D'Angelo Dawkins versus Undisputed Era, aka uh, the Red Dragons in this iteration, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. And I mean, what could you say about this one? You know what I'm saying? The Street Profits one. But if I may take some time to talk about the sheer awesomeness that was done in this match here, I gotta say this. You know what? You know, with the match starting out there, we're trying to see um, 
nah, each of the teams, they they feel each other out and all of that good stuff. And you really got to see uh, D'Angelo Dawkins showcase some of his uh, his wrestling background. You know, you really don't see too much from him, but uh, he was in there wrestling uh, Kyle O'Reilly and was uh, doing a pretty damn good job at it. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's nice to see the dynamicism that both of these guys bring to the table. I mean, I think the guy's about a good 6'5", 265 or so pounds, and Montez Ford is about a good 6'3", 6'4", maybe about 210, 220, you know, so their dynamicism goes together very, very well against uh, a team such as uh, Kylo Riley and Bobby Fish, who both, I believe, are like 199, and like, one is like maybe 205, and about, I'd say about 5'11", both a piece, you know what I'm saying? But they make up for their, their lack with an impressive acumen in the ring. I mean, these guys can go. I mean, come on. The Professor, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish. I mean, come on. I mean, they're interchangeable, whichever one you want to consider to be the Professor. Now, usually it's going to be um, Bobby Fish there, but you could say Kyle O'Reilly is that in his own right. You know what I'm saying? Just, it was a good match. Montez Ford leaping all over the place. I'm telling you, this brother can jump like I ain't never seen before. He went to do like, um, you know, like a leap, leapfrog, but he just clearly leapt right. Oh, it, it's like he almost overshot Kyle O'Reilly. Like he just clearly just jumped like right over him. And I mean, I can't stress enough how good this match was. You know what I'm saying? Now, in my predictions, I said I had wanted Undisputed to win because I really wanted to see them draped in gold and whatnot. But I am more than happy that the Street Profits won because we can actually see what they can do with this title. And that was one of the things I was saying that I had wanted them to win, but I can see Undisputed being the winners based on the storyline, progression, and whatnot. But I am more than happy seeing Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins win here. You know what I'm saying? They, they are great. Their entrance was great, the way they came out. You know, and then they go into the crowd and they start playing it up with those guys like... I love it. Everybody's got the red solo cup. You know what I'm saying? They all do anything. Like, they bring maximum crowd participation. And that's something I believe that the WWE is actually looking for. You know what I'm saying? You want to have people that know how to get the crowd involved. They know how to you know, work the people up and whatnot. Because that's how you make your money. You know what I'm saying? So these guys are definitely proving that they're a valuable commodity in more ways than another. And not just... Um, like crime time and that's what I was so afraid of you're gonna hear me say that quite a bit when I talk about these guys I just don't want to see these guys become another crime time you know what I'm saying like don't have them turn into a stereotypical black team that's all I'm saying you know let them keep you know expanding on their personality because the guys are very very funny I will definitely say especially Montez Ford his facial, facial expressions are freaking priceless you know what I'm saying I can see why Bianca Belair married the dude you know what I'm saying I imagine at home he's probably just cracking her up non-stop you know what I'm saying so Street Profits went the uh, the closing moments of the show I mean it was, uh, it was pretty damn good you know what I'm saying I, I have to admit that I, it was one point I thought I was like oh man Kyle O'Reilly, he's got it here, you know what I'm saying? And then they kind of uh, just turned it around, and then, sure enough, Street Profits, and uh, they pulled it out, and I was like, thank you, the Profits have delivered. And I was more and thoroughly happy with that. Up next, we got uh, Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae. Now, check this. Io came out looking like she popped out of an anime here, but black and the gold and whatnot. Now, 
I'm pretty sure Mikazi, who's the seamstress there, Sasha Banks' husband, worked on that outfit. I mean, complete with the theme song and the black and whatnot. She looked like she was a villain from out of uh, My Hero Academia. Or could have been a villain from freaking um, Ghost in a Shell. Oh, yeah. Standalone complex right there. If you don't know about it, go check it out here. So, I already knew the way she was all decked out and whatnot. She looked like she was just coming to kill here. You know what I'm saying? And then you had Candace LeRae coming on out here. You know what I'm saying? And her, her usualness. But she was, um, she was decked out a little bit differently there. Had the, uh, the purple and the pink. It was very bubblegumish. It was almost like, um, you know, she reminded me of what's her name? That uh, Cindy Lauper. There we go. That's what she reminded me of. Yeah, she had a very Cindy Lauper-ish uh, '80s bubblegum vibe to her. You know what I'm saying? And all in all, the match was damn good. It was. It was back and forth. These girls were really trying to kill each other. And I don't know what they were trying to prove or whatnot. But obviously within the story, Io Shirai turned her back on Candice LeRae. And Candice LeRae is out for revenge. But I mean, like, seriously, there, there was some revenge to be had in this match. I mean, these girls throwing each other from off the top rope here. I mean, it was a top rope Spanish fly. I'm over here like, okay, first of all, to even be a wrestler, to be a caliber of an athlete to do such a move as a Spanish fly is already a masterpiece in itself because not everybody can just pull off a Spanish fly gracefully, okay? Now, let alone take that Spanish fly and take it to the top rope and pull that off. I've only seen a handful of athletes even dare Mustafa Ali's, you know what I'm saying? AJ Styles and whatnot, you know, those kind of athletes trying to pull off such a feat of destruction. And not only that, homegirl got hit with a spike reverse hurricane Rana. Who in the world is doing that? You got she's pulling out freaking Mustafa Ali level moves, pulling out freaking um Andrade Cien Almas level moves. I'm like, what the world is going here? These girls were really, really, really going for uh, for the home run a piece here, and it was back and forth and back and forth and. You, she even kicked out, Candice LeRae even kicked out of a Io Shirai's finishing move here. At this point, I was like, all right, now what's homegirl going to have to do here? The homegirl has beaten everybody with that uh, that freaking moonsault. That's why she's called the genius of the sky. That's all this girl is doing is just backflipping around the ring. She's like freaking Jackie Chan here. Just, just flip, 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 flip. All in Japan, all over. She's just beating everybody up with that freaking moonsault, right? Candice LeRae said, not today, sister, and kicked right on out of the thing. You should have seen the look of despair on Io Shirai's eyes as she tried to figure out, now what in the hell am I supposed to do here? You know what she did? She proceeded to try to put some kind of a modified uh, triangle or koji clutch, or that, that's what it seemed like she did, like some kind of a modified koji clutch, but the way she had Candice LeRae's hand was so that she couldn't tap out, so she held one hand and then had the weight of her body on the other hand, and just made Candice go night-night, just freaking cruel, man, you know what I'm saying, so she, she knew she couldn't get rid of it any other way, so she had to just take it down and put her to sleep with her own version of the Coquina clutch, or Koji clutch, or what, what's that thing that, um, Anaconda Vice, something along those lines, yep, either way, 
Io Shirai is your winner, as I predicted. And I said Io Shirai needed to win because, I mean, come on, she just has a new character. We got to get the character development going here. You know, we got to let this build. And what better way to build up Io Shirai than to let her go through Candice LeRae? Now, I don't know if this is going to be the last we see of Candice LeRae, obviously. You know what I'm saying? She's not going anywhere anytime soon. I imagine her and her husband, Johnny Gargano, will regroup, go home, lick their wounds, get better. And they will come back for more. So up next, had a nice little impromptu brawl here with uh, Matt Riddle, aka uh, the freaking um, what, what, the the Von Erichs reincarnated here, because he's like freaking Kerry Von Erich here with uh, running around with flip flops and fighting in the ring with no shoes on and whatnot. And I'm like, okay, here he comes on out here dressed up, right? in his street clothes but still no shoes on so this man refuses to wear shoes wherever he goes apparently and he's calling out uh the beast from belfast killian dane and killian dane came on out and we had us a nice little brawl and i like that i believe it was about a five or six minute or so brawl but it did what it needed to do it spiced things up because as i said when i did my uh, my review last week when they went to have their main event and it was supposed to be uh, Killian Dane, obviously, versus Matt Riddle, but that didn't come to fruition, now did it? No, it ended up with a brawl before the match even started, and they just canceled the darn thing. And I said, good, they should cancel it because that caliber of a match should be saved for a freaking pay-per-view, okay? And that's pretty much what they did here. Instead, they didn't give us a match on the pay-per-view. They just gave us another freaking brawl. And I was okay with that. You know what I'm saying? It was something different. These guys got utilized. Totally freaking fine with that. Please, put Matt Riddle and uh, some some more of this kinds of stuff here. I, I'm definitely okay with that. And that, all, that ended with these guys fighting up and down the ramp to the point to where uh, security tried to come out and stop these guys. Well, then guess what? They proceeded to beat up on the security. That's right. For no odd reason. I, I guess they were just pissed off. They were like, fuck it. You want to stop me? Well, we're going to beat up on you. And then, to make things even worse here, Killian Dane then says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take and I'm going to throw you off the stage with myself through a table. But I'm going to grab another person too. So Killian Dane decides to grab two people. Matt Riddle and some other dude, I have no idea who this, this guy was, but he felt it necessary to throw him down through the table as well. He grabbed him and he said, we're all going through this table together. And then they proceeded to jump off the stage and put them through a table. And that's how that brawl ended. And it was freaking awesome. It was awesome. I had no problem with that. I just wish they would actually have had a match during the uh the pay-per-view but this impromptu brawl like i said was like six or so minutes long so i mean i guess it could be considered a match but they could have just gave him a hardcore match or like a street fighter to take over and i would have been totally fine with that and be like okay let these guys have a street fight do what they gotta do you know what i'm saying all right so up next with some kind of uh mounty halftime performance because it started out with the Mountie, and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, obviously they're in Canada, and the Mountie was a Canadian wrestler, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, okay, so who, who's this? Because they said it was the triple threat. Now, who's coming out here like the Mountie? And it's got the Toronto halftime dancers and basketball players and all of that and whatnot. And sure enough, it's that freaking Velveteen Dream who's so high on himself, I'm surprised he even fit in the building with his head being so damn big from him and his ego. Versus Roderick Strong 
and Pete Dunne. And I mean, what, what, what the hell? Oh, good Lord. As JR would say, this was a freaking slobber knocker here. This was a barn burner. I mean, I'd expect nothing less from Velveteen Dream. As I've said many, many a times, Patrick Clark is a freaking wrestling prodigy. I followed this man for years and years since he was about 19 or so, and I believe he's about 24 now. And uh, I've saw talent and promise in him from tough enough back before he was eliminated. You know, so I knew he was going to bring it. Roderick Strong, I mean, come on. The Messiah, backbreaker. You know he was bringing it ever since... Um, you know, joining Undisputed, he's really uh, stepped it up a notch. And Pete Dunne, what can you say about the man who was champion for 670 days? Who ran through everybody, man. You want to talk about an impressive win streak there. So you knew they were going to bring the pain here. And nonetheless, this was pretty much Roderick Strong versus uh, Pete Dunne here. Velveteen Dream had a nice amount of offense. But it seems like with a lot of his matches, he's just surviving. I'm not saying the, the kid ain't going, no, but he's putting it down. But at, at some point, he's just getting his ass whooping. He's surviving these matches. Like, Roderick Strong, like, to, to get the win here, Roderick Strong was doing the work. He comes in, pushes him out of the way, and takes the pin. Roderick Strong was that close to being the North American uh, champion. He was that, 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 that close. So I'll give him this. Like, that guy is very, very crafty and wily. He's got a little bit of a Chris Jericho coming into him, you know, being in the right place at the right time. Not always having to be the biggest in the match, always having to be the strongest in the match, you know what I'm saying, or be the re- best wrestler in the match, but knowing where to be at the right moment, knowing how to capitalize. And I'll give Velveteen Dream that. He's done that on who else? Johnny Gargano, Ricochet, who else? Obviously now Roderick Strong, Pete Dunne. The guy is, is another dude that's been on a freaking killer winning streak here. Velveteen Dream. His stock is going through the roof. Every time you see him, he just keeps getting more and more freaking flamboyant. He was out there shaking his ass in the ring. You would have thought it was uh, the reincarnation of uh, Ravishing Rick Rude here. Only thing he was missing was um, a picture of whoever's wife on his damn tights. If he would have had that, I'd be like, look. We got Ravishing Rick Rude reincarnated in freaking Velveteen Dream right here, man. I mean, he was doing it up for T, so kudos to him for, uh, for keeping that style of wrestling alive here. You don't see too many people doing that. I mean, with him, Tyler Breeze, I think that's I think that's about it. Yeah. So all in all, it was a damn good match. It was nothing that I wouldn't expect from these guys. Once again, this is NXT. This is the black and gold brand. These guys went out there and they killed themselves for you. They killed themselves to try to, you know, put on a hell of a performance. And that's what the fuck they did. They put on a performance that, I mean, this is easily a five-star match here. No, I didn't have any complaints with it uh, uh, whatsoever. Velveteen Dream did what he had to do. Roderick Strong did what he had to do. And Pete Dunne did what he had to do. Pete Dunne was snapping fingers suplexing everybody being his usual British strong style self Roger Strong was coming up with the most clever freaking ways of giving people backbreakers I had ever freaking seen here at one point he looked like he tried to put uh, Pete Dunne and uh, Velveteen Dream into a, a, a double Boston crab yeah so Roger Strong was on a tear like I haven't seen in quite some time and he, like I said he almost won the match he did the work. Velveteen Dream came in, pushed him out of the way, and stole the pin. 
Oh, maybe next time. And he even was gloating after he got out of the ring, too. It was just like, oh, so close, so close, so close. That damn cocky bastard Velveteen Dream. Oh, he got in Pete Dunn's face and was like, ha, 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 I win. And then got in uh, Roger Strong's face, ha, ha, ha. Then danced and celebrated right on out of the damn ring in usual Velveteen fashion. Now, up next, Mia Yim versus uh, Shayna Baszler. And this was a damn good match, too. And... Mm, this one I enjoyed and it kind of went to the way that I had talked about here because I was wondering well, how was Mia Yim going to put up a fight against someone like Shayna Baszler who's coming in with such a professional level of fighting acumen that, that one would have to believe that it would be one-sided in favor of Shayna Baszler right is this going to be some kind of a no disqualification yada 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 but no Mia Yim was so cheap in this match I, I don't think I've seen anyone this cheap since old school William Regal, old school Ric Flair here. Short of her pulling out some freaking brass knuckles here. The girl was gouging in the eyes here. She was pulling at her cheek. She was um, pulling her hair. I mean, she was bending the rules as much as you could possibly bend the rules without the referee disqualifying you. If there was some kind of a gray area move that this girl could do, she was doing it. And usually that's uh, Shayna Baszler's wheelhouse. You would think Shayna Baszler with such skill wouldn't have to be cheap, but most of the time she's usually cheap herself. But uh, now Mia Yim was bringing the cheapness here and throwing in shades of wrestling and fighting. And at one point in time, I thought she was going to uh, beat Shayna Baszler. She was working on Shayna's right arm so much. The way she was kicking it, kicking it, kicking it, slamming it into the rope. And at one point in time, she put her hand between the steel steps and uh, the post. So she put her hand between the post and the steel steps and then kicked it so that the steps right, went right into her arm. I'm like, damn, you trying to break the girl's arm here? So Shayna's arm was... Uh, was pretty much done for throughout the match at some point she was trying to throw up forearms because the girl was right-handed right and every time she throw the form it was just putting her in intense pain so she throw a punch and then next thing you know she's wincing in pain like ah my arm my arm and i'm like dang that's a pretty good uh, strategy right there you know take out the arm that shane is going to try to use to put you in the uh that freaking chokehold that she does and you know she's effective at it and so me and Yim worked on that arm for pretty much throughout the match. And it was a damn close match. Closer than a lot of people would thought within the realms of making sense. It wasn't like Shayna Baszler was just laying down and they were just like, well, how, how did this happen here? No, me and Yim, the, the girl was getting put in submission holes. She was biting her. I'm like, what? She started biting the girl to get her to release a submission hole. Then at one point in time, the girl was put in a submission hole. She sat there and twisted her fingers. She pulled a peak gun and was like, well, I'm just going to snap your fingers. I'm like, wait a minute. Is that even illegal? Who knows? You know what I'm saying? Then at another point, she pulls the girl by her hair and just yanks the darn hair. I'm like, wait a minute. Isn't hair pulling illegal? Not the ref? I don't know if she paid off that ref because there was a lot of times where the ref was just like, I didn't even see it. I don't know what's going on here. Maybe the ref was an amateur hour here or whatnot. This was his first day. But seriously, he was letting a lot of things slide. Like if they had a talk before the match and Mia was like, look, there's a couple of stacks here. I'm going to do some things. Maybe you don't see those things getting done. Maybe you don't see these couple of stacks right here, but you get that. And the ref was like, all right, cool with me. You know what I'm saying? And that's what the fuck happened. Yeah. 
She paid off the referee. She was cheap as fuck throughout the match. But it was still a damn good match because it was it was okay. Because she did what she had to do. She told you. And that's the only reason why I let cheapness like this slide. Normally, I don't like cheap people. I'm like, come on, why are you doing this? But homegirl told her before the match. Was like, I'm going to be cheap. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I don't have your MMA skill level. I am... Short of throwing dirt in the girl's eyes, you know what I'm saying? She was, she said she was going to do everything she had to do to stop her. And came up pretty damn close until Shayna tapped her out with a triangle hold using her legs. She had to use her freaking legs to put the girl out. And man, she put me in your mouth. That looked like a brutal, uh, a brutal hold right there. Freaking triangle hold. Oh, goodness gracious. Whew. I would not want to be put in one of those by an 18-year fighting veteran, that's for damn sure, but that match was awesome, I watch it again, it's awesome, then I watched it again, and it was still awesome, I'm like, okay, they work really well together, Shayna Baszler is a beast in the ring, she's great even with one arm, she's out there still like a freaking monster, just clotheslining and just suplexing, like, she's a wrestling machine, and that's exactly who I predicted to win. Shayna Baszler, and this girl is just tearing through the NXT locker room, like, seriously, who's going to stop her, you know, I don't want her to relinquish the belt and move on up to the main roster like Oscar did, where nobody stopped Oscar, she just gave up the belt, I don't want to see Shayna Baszler give up the belt, I want to see her continue to be dominant and continue to run through the NXT locker room until somebody else uh, comes along that we can deem like a worthy competitor or worthy challenger. Until that day comes, Shayna Baszler is the best female down there in NXT. Heck, she's the best freaking female in, on, in the damn WWE. Who better than her? Who are you going to say? Charlotte? You think Charlotte can out-wrestle her? That ain't happening. Who else is better than her? Becky Lynch? You know that ain't happening. Come on, keep it keep it real. Ronda Rousey ain't even around anymore, so you can't even say, well, Ronda's better than her. Ronda ain't here anymore. If she was here, maybe that would be a topic for discussion. But until then, Shayna Baszler, FTW, and that's why she won. Moving on here. And our main event on boy, oh boy, was it a freaking main event. Look, look here. I don't care how many times I see Johnny Gargano versus freaking Adam Cole. These two deliver better than freaking UPS with one day delivery. You know what? No, they deliver better than freaking Amazon. All right, let that sit in. Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole for like the third, fourth time here. Their chemistry together. Like I'm sitting here thinking to myself, how, how could they top each other? Well, you know how they top each other? These, these two beat each other up for a freaking hour, an hour. I'm like, oh my goodness gracious here. This is past 40 minutes and he's still kicking this dude's ass here. How are these two surviving here? First of all, they over there beating the nonsense out of him. Johnny Gargano just says, you want to bring the chair in there? Just starts beating the man with the chair. Hit him at least seven plus times with the chair. Then proceeded to beat him up some more. Then the next fight was a street fight. Oh my goodness gracious. They get put through tables. Holy, I, 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 don't, I don't even know where to begin here. This was, it, it, it was everything you would have wanted from Johnny Gargano and uh, Adam Cole. Guy got put in the chair. He pushed him. He sat him into the chair after he beat him up. Then pushed him along to the chair into, into a bunch of other uh, stuff. I, I couldn't even tell what it was there because they were all backstage in like the, the area. So it was like the, I 
guess the ring keeper or the timekeeper's area over there. Then at one point they got they pushed each other through the um, to the guardrail. Well, they don't even call it the guardrail anymore. The, the padding or or that the barricade. There we go. The outside barricade. Because I'm like it's not a guardrail anymore. Everybody else uses the guardrail. WWE is like no, we don't use guardrail. We use barricade. All right. Well, they got put through the barricade. At one point, Adam Cole got flipped through the Spanish announce table. Poor. Carlos Cabrera, Marcelo Rodriguez, they had to go flying out of the way. Adam Cole just boom, right through the table. It's freaking amazing. Johnny Gargano came to play. But Adam Cole put him to rest. And in an amazing fashion. And that's what I've expected from him. Because he's Adam Cole, baby. And now the baby tour can continue. But not before that third fall happened. That third fall, let me tell you, I was wondering, well, what was it going to be? Because we knew the first two stipulations, and you know they were coming to that third fall. You know it. Bang, bang, boom, boom. Johnny Gargano. And what was the third? A steel cage was coming down. But it wasn't just any steel cage, though. That's the thing. The steel cage had barbed wire going around the steel cage, like it was like it was a prison cell or something right and then not only that there was weapons hanging on the cage itself it's like a chair bat kendo stick table ladder sledgehammer and then there was a bag of stuff some nuts and bolts freaking bolt cutters I mean, it was just, just freaking weapons everywhere. And then the kicker was you couldn't even get out of the cage. So you could only win by pin or submission. So in normal cage matches, you know, you can try to just escape for dear life. No, you couldn't get out of this one. And man, oh man, if you thought you've seen a street fight before, this was a damn good street fight. Short of an attitude era, I'm going to pull out a bag of thumbtacks. That's the only thing was missing right here. You know, I'm going to pull out a bag of thumbtacks. But this was freaking amazing here i mean you had panama sunrises code reds canadian destroyers and these are freaking high level moves right here done from the top rope just what the hell are these people doing here you know what i'm saying like they were literally trying to end each other's career which is not a surprise here because you know johnny gargano does not like adam cole and adam cole does not like johnny gargano you know what i'm saying so it's no surprise that they were literally trying to obliterate each other to, to face each other. They didn't want anyone to exist anymore. And Johnny Gargano was trying to make sure that several times in which I thought he was going to uh, kill Adam Cole. But somehow Adam Cole actually survived here with, with legs intact all the way up to the to the top rope to, to the finish of the match here. I can't even say to the top rope because it was to the top rope. Then he climbed the cage. Then Johnny Gargano was like, I'm going to take some barbed wire off the cage. I'm like, oh, he's fitting to try to kill Adam Cole here. You know what I'm saying? He's trying to channel into that crazy Gargano that uh, ran over Alistair Black some, what, almost about a, what, a year ago? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, he's about to be crazy. He cut off a piece of the barbed wire. He goes down there. They fight back up to the top until ultimately they standing on top of some kind of a platform thing, like 15, 20 feet on top of the cage, right? And then I'm not even sure what this move was, but it just looked like a, oh dear Lord, we're falling for dear life. They fall some 20 feet off the cage, through the table, and then just somehow Adam Cole's hand just makes it on top of 
Johnny Gargano, one, two, three goes down, and Adam Cole is still your NXT World Heavyweight Champion. Yes, Adam Cole survived that match because he didn't win it with any particular special move or anything like that. No, they fell off the damn cage through a table. They fell together. So it wasn't like any one person got the damage more. No, they both received the same amount of damage and his hand just happened to get onto the other guy. I mean, freaking Johnny Gargano's hand could have got onto him and he could have won that, but it just so happens his hand got onto him and, and that's how it, it ended. They lifted up. You can see the cuts and bruises and everything on the back from all the kendo shots and whatnot that the guy received. Oh, man, it was a freaking nightmare. Whew. But it was an amazing nightmare. One that I relived several times because the match was just that damn good. Yes, I skipped through certain parts because it was an hour long here. Yeah, but nonetheless, there were definitely parts that I had to go back and see multiple times because I was just amazed at like, wow. They're really giving it their own here. Like, after this point, what do you even do with Johnny Gargano and his character? What, what do we do with Johnny? I mean, he's lost several times now. Do we do we take him off TV, let him heal, and then he comes back and then starts going on the winning streak, and then he can challenge for the title again? Or do we just, you know, have him come back in a slump until uh, Tommaso Ciampa makes his return? Because I, I get to feel it. I wanted Tommaso Ciampa to make some kind of a return or, or an appearance, but he didn't. But I'm still holding out that Tommaso Ciampa is right around the corner here because we haven't heard from him in quite some time. They made a little, little mention of him on the show. And that was it. But speaking of uh, making a mention, I did hear uh, Mauro Ronaldo make some kind of a, a, a Mortal Technique mention. Just shout outs to Mauro Ronaldo for even knowing who a Mortal Technique is. So I just had to put that out there. Mauro Ronaldo is the best commentator out there other than uh, Jim Ross. And his amazingness, his timing on the microphone, and his pop culture references. He, he's, he's just freaking amazing. I aspire to be like Mauro Ronaldo. Freaking um, Joey Styles. A little bit of uh, Gordon Sully. The dash of Gorilla Monsoon in there. Right. A little bit of uh, informational knowledge from uh, Tony Schiavone. Right. And the dastardliness of uh, Bobby DeBrain Heenan. Roll them all in together. Bam. That's, that's going to be like a nice little melting pot like that. So I, I've got a little special heart. Special place in my heart for the commentator here. That's for damn sure. But all in all, this pay-per-view, I, I shit you not. I'd have to easily give this pay-per-view a 9 out of 10. Every match delivered. It did what it was supposed to do. A typical NXT fashion. It... it it held you at night, told you everything was going to be okay, you know, you had a nightmare, you know, NXT was there for you, it was like, oh, are you okay, and it told you to go right on back to sleep, NXT is that warm, comforting blanket, that, you know, everybody has that security blanket, or they have that little teddy bear or something, that's what NXT is, it makes you feel safe, you can watch NXT and know that you're going to get a solid product, that you are going to be thoroughly entertained, that these guys, that these girls are going to go out there, they're going to bust ass, they're going to give you a 
150%. And not only are they going to give you 150%, right? The backstage producers and the script writers and everybody, they're giving you 150%. You are watching a show that is cohesively built together, that flows, that has ebb and flow, and it flows together like masterfully. Okay, NXT and NXT UK, they are the standard of wrestling for uh, WWE, if not around the world, because they still have pretty good production and, and everything as well. And NXT manages to have WWE-level production while still managing to come off like a house show. And that is impressive to me. All the fans there are interested in the show. All the fans are participating. If you're going to NXT, you know what it is, so you don't have to worry about casual people. There are no casual NXT watchers. If you're watching it, you know what it's going on. So if you're listening, you are a diehard wrestling fan. And that is why NXT delivers, because it's catered towards a different niche market. Catered towards a different group of people versus Monday Night Raw and uh, versus uh, SmackDown. And I'm totally fine with that. But yeah, that concludes this amazing NXT review and it's freaking 9 out of 10 I damn near give it a perfect 10 but we can't do that you know what I'm saying that's gotta be saved for the, the fiesta de resistance the best episode out there and I don't think I've seen an NXT takeover that is um, 10 out of 10 including that uh, Johnny Gargano versus uh, Andrade Cien almost match either that's considered to be one of the best wrestling matches the WWE has ever put out okay mm-hmm. yeah so I definitely enjoyed it. I know you all enjoyed it because, you know, it's NXT. And that's all you can say about that. And the next NXT pay-per-view we got coming up August 31st. It's going to be NXT UK coming from Cardiff. And I'm definitely excited about that one. And you know I'm going to be talking about that. And if not, just go check this out. Go listen to my NXT review. We're talking about NXT UK and NXT. So we're covering both of them right there. Because you can't watch one without the other. Seriously, I've been talking to a lot of fans out there. And they're like, wait a minute. What's going on with NXT UK? And I'm like, well, you didn't know about it? Okay, so check this out. It's like NXT. They've got a lot of the up-and-coming UK stars. Whether it be Japanese stars. they got dudes from New Zealand, from Australia, etc., etc. And they really focus on a lot of the rest. Wrestling. I mean, like when I see a lot of the wrestling, like these dudes chain wrestling all day long here. It's pretty freaking awesome, you know what I'm saying? Even the British storytelling of how they do it and, and how the crowd is chanting and just, I mean, it's, it's freaking awesome, here, you know what I'm saying? It's like a different uh, aspect of wrestling that a lot of American fans don't see because we're so used to the rest of the wrestling world watching our style of wrestling. So a lot of wrestling fans. I know are not familiar with British strong style and a lot of good wrestling came from the British style being adopted in America or the, the Japanese strong style being adopted in America or the Lucha Libre style from Mexico being adopted in America so it's nice when you can actually check out and see the wrestling in its home place you know be that AAA wrestling or CMLL wrestling in Mexico whether that be NXT UK or um, there's a there's an Irish um, pro wrestling one that's uh, pretty darn good as well too where a lot of people like um, Fergal Devitt, Becky Lynch, uh, Nikki Cross, you know where a lot of them wrestled in as well. And then you've got the Japanese ones, of course. You know New Japan pro wrestling there. 
and then there's another one that uh, escapes my mind right now. That uh, oh, Dragon Gate. That's what it's called. That one is over there as well. And those are pretty freaking awesome, man. So it's nice to see the, the aspects of wrestling in uh, the home culture. You know how different it is. You know the way the the crowds are and whatnot. So this is why I cover wrestling from all over. Because if you're a wrestling fan, you're a wrestling fan. A wrestling fanatic. So, up next, I'm going to have my predictions for the SummerSlam that's coming on tonight. And then after that, of course, we're going to have our review. So, we'll have two of those coming up. So, definitely stay tuned. And all of the goodness that's coming on down that pipeline with five and six coming up. So, it's been real. It's been a pleasure. This is just what I love to do. I love to uh, talk wrestling. I love to talk WWE, NXT, etc., etc. And as long as there's a you know, breath in my body, I'm just going to continue to just do what I'm passionate about here. And that's bring wrestling love to the masses. You know, whether you want to watch it or whether you want to listen, that's what I'm here for. So, stay tuned. Have a beautiful night. Remember, subscribe, like, follow me and my Instagram page at Akiharo, A-K-I-H-A-R-H-O and WWE underscore Akiharo, A-K-I-H-A-R-H-O. Remember, sharing is caring. Share it with your friends, your mama, your daddy, your grandmother. That's right. Your whole family. Get the word on out there. Let me be the word on the streets for everybody. It's been real. I love you all. And I'll talk to you later. Ciao, ciao.